Hey, I got lunch. Hey, one sec. I've almost got it. Dude, take a break. You've been working at that all week. No, 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 no. This is it. I can feel it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna try. Are you ready? It's never gonna happen. G-E-A-S is pronounced G-E-A-S-H. He did it. Yes! Wait, what's going on? You alright? I'm kinda tingly, man. Oh, snap! I'm leveling up! Oh, jealous! Wait, wait, wait! Are you gonna be level four? Yes! What should I do? Uh, bump your strength and charisma. Ouch. No, I, I mean, like, I thought you wanted to be a paladin? What if I took a feat? Ooh, ride the lightning. Which one, though? Tavern Brawler would be pretty sweet. Yeah, but don't you only go to craft bars where everyone is real bearded and chill? Some of them could be dwarves. Whoa! Not exactly a woke assumption there, bud. Yikes, yeah, you're right. Uh, Siri, remind me to edit this part out. Calling Papa John. No, 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 hang up, hang up. Hanging up. Oof, that was close. Hey, uh, what about the lucky feet? I mean, it would have come in handy just now, and it's arguably the most overpowered. Yeah, can you imagine how often that would come in handy? Like, if I thought a fart was safe, and then... Wait. Did you fart? No, man, the tingling stopped. Well, did you pick the lucky feet? I never said anything out loud. Oh, jeez. We, we better check your sheet. Pop off your shirt. I'll see if anything got added to your back. I'm so glad that we blew all of this Patreon money on magical tattoos that update with our personal abilities and skills, man. Let's see. Uh, ooh, speaking of, it looks like you took the skilled feet. No, I didn't. Maybe it got picked automatically because you waited too long. Dang it. What skills did I get? Um, history, arcana, and proficiency in bagpipes. Oh, sorry, bud. There's always level eight. Well... I guess I could just bagpipe us into the theme song this week. I'll go get him. Freaking Papa John! Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it! Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah, that was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Build a new character, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How to range? That's not a category. Just keep going. Uh, I think we were here. Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kind of drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydream about their validity in-game. Each week, we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Welcome back, this is Dan. And Garen, and today we are stoked to be bringing you another game changer in the form of Gods and Goddesses by Jetpack7. Now this supplement is 99 pages of mythical glory as the fine people of Jetpack 7 create stellar cleric and paladin options inspired by the deities that exist in our culture. The trickster god Anansi, the destroyer Shiva, and the beautiful Freya 
are just a few that you can channel with your character using this new book. And what's more, the book includes original monsters, items, spells, weapons, and even NPCs to help the dungeon master encourage the world around that player. Coupled with some really beautiful art, this book is a keeper so much that Dan and I have to agree on joint custody. If we're being real, I'm the dad and Garen is the fun uncle. But before we get into this week's creations, we want to talk briefly about why we love the products like this and Faith of the Forgotten Realms so much. We're obviously broken records when it comes to building a character from the background up because we feel that having a clear idea of what drives your character beyond murder or treasure opens you up to much richer roleplay at your table. Deities are very real in the Forgotten Realms, and their impact on the world can be felt every day. To play a character that believes in the higher powers and is, at least in part, driven by that belief gives such a great jumping off point. So, while the core books give suggestions for which deity a cleric of the life domain might follow, we think books such as this take that idea and give it so much more color with very specific lore and tenets. Yes, Garen, you hit it spot on. And I would like to introduce you this week to my character built from this supplement named Sprout. As any Ganassi can attest, their backstories can be, well, <laughs> quite complicated. With their backstories interlaced with what seem to be like folklore and hyperbole, Ganassi are most certainly part human, but in the case of Sprout, he was also quite clearly part of the Earth itself. As a child with tiny, leaved branches emerging out of his shoulder blades, it was no wonder where Sprout got his name. His mother being one of the most infamous figures in nature, Sprout grew into a caring young man despite his bold features. His mother instilled in him an unconditional and often unreciprocated sense of love for all things living. Those who have seen Sprout in the flesh and bark often attest to his purity and sense of duty. He will stay to greet you but quickly be on his way, presumably heading to the next expectant mother. Some even say that he can burrow through rocks and stone, passing through difficult terrain with relative ease. Others attest to him communing with nature and talking to someone he claims to be his mother, but no one's there. The funniest part about Sprout, though, is the fact that he considers everywhere his home. He has no true home base. He feels a communal sense of duty to nurture both mothers and children of the world. He has such a love for newborns. After he hears news of a newborn baby in the wild, he provides the fresh babe with a gift of either an animal totem or a small weapon, depending on the sex of the child, of course. Most impressive, however, is his somewhat superhuman sense of calling for those in need. He assists ailing mothers of all kinds who may be experiencing challenges with childbirth, singing and chanting soothingly at their side. An extraordinarily hypnotic skill. Most do not know that a cleric of his gender praising his deity is extraordinarily rare, but he claims to be granted powers directly by his mother, Freya, the goddess of love, fertility, sorcery, and war. I hope to unravel for you, as well as the listeners, this week, the mystery that is Sprout, a level 11 cleric of the Spacana domain, with the midwife background from D&D Beyond, written by the user Claire Runs Dungeons, because it's just too perfect not to use. This is a very positive and bright character backstory for you. How are you feeling? Are you okay? I, I, I think I might be leveling up. Oh, man. Again. That's way too early. We're just blazing through this campaign at this point. Well, then why don't you tell me about your altar boy this week? You got it. A tribe of nomadic Demarins lived high out on the steppes, exposed to the elements and warring bands from other tribes. 
They were a close-knit community of mostly humans, but a few half-orc orphans of past conflicts. Their leader, Alisar, and his guard all swore an oath to Tengri, the god of judgment and all elements. As the creator of the sky, he would literally watch over them in their times of strife and see to their prosperity. One of Alisar's most trusted warriors was a towering half-orc named Shump. With a face hacked out of stone, but unusually soft eyes, Shump rode beside his lord into every conflict and only put down his weapon when the last of his people were safe. Following a short campaign that saw the near destruction of a rival tribe, Alisar accepted a truce and took a bribe from their number. She was a beautiful, tawny-skinned woman named Yaila. She was not a prize or a bargain, but rather one that caught his eye with her beauty, and their marriage was of true love. But less than a season after their marriage, Alisar died at her hand, poisoned in the night, and she was gone before anybody even found his body. Chump was chosen to succeed as leader of the tribe, and his first action was to see to the obliteration of every able-bodied warrior of the rival tribe and bring Yila back so that he could personally deliver justice to his people. Their raid on the tribe was successful. While the others expected their arrival, they did not anticipate the fury of Alisar's people, and they were rowed down like wheat in the field. Chump scoured the village but found no sight of Yila. Those that were spared said she had acted alone not at the direction of her elders, and as the sole person responsible for Alisar's death and the retribution which Shump wrought on her people. They also said she disappeared shortly after bringing news of Alisar's death, proud in her deceit and somewhat shocked when she wasn't praised more. Shump grieved for all that had passed and vowed to set things right. He named another to lead in his stead and rode off in the last direction anyone saw Yaila, his eyes now blazing with intensity. So I bring to you Shump, a half-orc, level 11, Oath of the Sky Warrior with the soldier background. When are you going to include the part where he joined the Three Stooges and then kind of like mysteriously disappeared? <laughs> now that was Shump. Oh, and oh, right, right, right. as silly as my name is, Shump is one of the provided half-orc names in the player's handbook. Well, how adherent of you, Garen. Right? Dan, I, I thank you for introducing us to your character, and I know we're about to enter a fierce battle, so I hope Sprout's faith in Freya will guide him. But should he find himself lost in the dark, may I suggest a cantrip candle? Because cantrip candles are purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world. Fancy festivals, friendly farmhouses, or this week's spotlight, combat coasters. In case you missed these sweet new treats, Cantrip Candles have released a pack of six one-time-use coasters that you write on to track all the blood and chaos of your next battle. They sold out in 14 minutes in their first release, so head over there early and often to grab yours. When you do, the lab will help cover some of the costs. When you use the code LABRAT, L-A-B-R-A-T, at checkout, you receive 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. And if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Well, thank you, Cantrip Candles and Fun Uncle, for that message. Now, we're about to start our lab battle for today, and if you're new to the show, let me quickly explain how this works. We have nine categories in which we have prepared arguments, and in each category, we will state why our character deserves a score between negative two and positive two. Getting a negative in a category is much like committing a sin against your faith. You done messed up on your build, and you must atone for it. Finally, once per show... 
Each of us will be able to force the other to roll for the score in which they're arguing for as a charisma saving throw. And then in the end, whoever has the most points will sit at the right hand of their deity. Garen, why don't you just go ahead and tell us how your stooge fares in the melee category? Oh man, that's the last time you're going to say that. Now, Shump is a fantastic melee combatant, but I thought coming into this episode, I wanted to do this right. We recently had the Oscars, and a lot of times, a host, there wasn't one this year, but in the past, hosts will change their outfits periodically throughout the show. So, I'm going to be championing this mounted combatant in this episode, and so I have put together a stable of mounts that I will ride out for each one of my categories. If you don't mind, I'll be right back. As you can see, I am now riding back into the lab atop a Durang Stallion, a beautiful breed of horse that you may find in a little book called Jume Jr.'s Horde of Horses. Right over here, baby. Now, Shump is sporting a war pick. That is a plus seven to hit with two attacks, 1d8 plus three. He also has savage attacks as being a half orc. And my mount is huge when it comes to battle. He has got some bonuses to his features. This is considered a sacred mount. This is one that must be found and must be provided by my god and is only accessible as long as I'm upholding my tenants to Tengri. So this is a warhorse stat block that has been beefed up a little bit with a strength of 20, a wisdom of 15. So it's trampling charge is going to have a DC 15 strength save. It's hoof attack is going to do 2d6 plus 5 bludgeoning damage. I mean, this is a really strong category for me. I'm arguing a plus one. I would say that that's close to a plus one in my book, just given that your steed is not only quite strong, but also very wise. I don't mind that you bring these things into the lab, but I don't know what you're feeding this thing, but it has smoked us out of here. Well, don't worry. I'll ride him out in a second because I got a new mount for the range category. So why don't you take it and then you see what I got. Okay, well, I'm, I'm arguing a zero in this category. I have a plus six to hit Warhammer. Deals out 1d8 plus two. But on top of that, I've also got an ability for this domain called Revitalizing Burst which at second level allows you to use your channel divinity to simultaneously empower your allies as well as strike down your foe. When you make an attack roll, you may add plus five to your attack and it allows you to do that after you see your roll but before the DM says it hits or not. I think that's a really nice powerful ability, not too overpowered. And honestly, I haven't seen this specifically in a channel divinity, which I really like. So I'm arguing a zero. This is a tough one for me because without that, you would be obviously in a negative one on this category. But that, while it's nice, and I know it's giving something else to your allies too, alone in the melee category, this is like a minus one half for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, because it's not what we do here. So I think it's a zero. This is not a good zero. This is a Barry Bonds of zeros. I'm arguing a minus one here in range. I have a plus five to hit crossbow, deals out 1d8 plus one, and that is all I've got. But hang on one second, Garen, excuse me. What are you yep, doing? Just, just going to place these towels here at your feet. Okay, so what do you say for a minus one? Do I need the towels for saying a minus I, one? Oh, yeah, just don't worry about that. You're good. All right. Yeah, minus one is fine. Okay, now I'm riding in on my new mount. As you can see, this is a giant constrictor snake. It's named Slytherin because I'm the Slytherin surfer. This is provided to me courtesy of Crit Academy, their suggestion. And I'm going to snake care of this category right now because ranged is a plus four to hit, one D10 plus nothing. 
I'm also arguing a minus one. Oh yeah, of course you can get a minus one. I mean, you name dropped Crit Academy, and for those of our listeners who have not checked out Crit Academy, they have a great D and D five E podcast. Go on your podcast app, punch it in. They are a great supplement to our show because they do a great discussion based podcast for D and D. And Garen, just for name dropping. Minus one, baby. Now, I appreciate this mount, but as I get to take it right into burninating, I do have to dismount my snake here. So I'm just going to put it over to the side with the horse, and I'll be right back. Do they get along? <laughs> They'll be fine. All right, so... Oh, oh, all right, this is a little unwieldy. Uh, so as you can see, I am now riding a manatar, and that is a man with a second half of a man where his head should be. He's like a centaur. You know, he can run on two legs or four or all six. It's kind of it's kind of human centipede, but this is just the way he was made. And this is courtesy of our friend on Twitter, Birato Bagasi. Thank you for this manatar. He does not seem happy that I am mounted upon him, or he's just not happy with life in general. I was gonna say he doesn't look very happy to be existing. No, not at all. Uh, let me tell you about my burninating category, where I have a spell called Magic Slingshot. And this is a spell provided to us from the Gods and Goddesses book. It is a second level evocation, range of 60 feet, where you magically enchant up the three stones and they become deadly projectiles. The stones, once imbued with magic, float in the air around your hand. Each stone may hit a creature of your choice within range. Declare your targets and make a ranged spell attack for each creature. The stones do 1d6 plus 1 force damage each. Very green shell from Mario Kart feel to it. Excellent description. Yes, that is what this is. This is green shell, which is going to increase my score by plus one. And I have an elemental weapon spell, of course, which provides a plus one bonus to your weapon attack and damage rolls and also makes the attacks magical. Now, because of a ninth level ability I get with the Oath of the Sky Warrior, that bonus bumps up to a plus two. So when I cast this spell, it's actually increasing the potency with my class feature, which is also a really nice thing. I love how the class feature blends with a specific spell. It's circumstantial in a really fun way. So I'm arguing a plus one. I'm going to argue a zero because you only argued really two things and you didn't think of Green Shell. All right, but there are cool two things. Yeah, I'll take a zero. What do you got? I'm also arguing a zero. I've got, now that I'm looking at it, considerably more than you do. I have Magic Weapon, which obviously adds a plus one two hit and on damage rolls, and it deals out that magic damage. I also have Sacred Flame, Toll the Dead, Spirit Guardians, and my eighth level Divine Strike deals out an extra 1d8 radiant damage on each hit. Oof. Yeah, so I'm thinking this is more a plus one. Clearly better than you. But you said zero, though. But now I'm saying plus one, and I think, uh, I think I'm going to get that. If we check the tape, I'm pretty sure it still says zero earlier. So, I mean, I, I got to agree with previous Dan as opposed to future Dan. I edit the episodes. All right. Plus one, you got better than me. Take it into control. All right. I'm arguing a plus one here. I've got Hold Monster. I've got Silence. I've got Bane. I've got Bless. All those we've covered on the show previously. All pretty great spells. I also have an ability out of this supplement for this domain. It is called Battle Healer, which at first level, it allows you to heal an ally during battle, and on your next turn, you get advantage on your attack. So just by healing someone, it makes you more acutely aware of what's going on in the battlefield, and you get a little bit of a, a jump on your enemies. Also, as a Ganassi, I have Earthwalk, which allows you to burrow at 25 feet speed through non-magical stone and rocks, which is really cool. I'm going to argue that your battle healer is more like you feel so good about yourself for helping somebody else that it invigorates you. Yeah, and you know what? It, one could say that it's enough to make you say, hoo, hoo, hee, um, way, hoo, hoo, 
Hee-hum-way. Come on, Garen, say it with me. Hee-hum-way. Are we doing rusted roots? I'm not sure what this is. Come on, just keep going. Hee-hum-way. That's great job, Garen. Very good, really good. That's actually kind of satisfying. I'm not sure what was going on there. Yeah, no, that's great. So uh, remind me what this is for you. That's a plus one. All right. I'm also arguing a plus one. This is going to be kind of a tough argument for me, but I think I could pull it off. I get a bonus to my initiative equal to my charisma modifier. So that's a plus three. That's pretty nice as, as a feature of my subclass. I have also got my Condemn the Wicked and Vow of Justice channel divinities. Now, Condemn the Wicked is, I speak a prayer against a foe and I choose one creature within 60 feet. That creature must make a wisdom save or they become frightened for one minute. I also have Vow of Justice as a bonus action. I utter a vow against a creature I see within 10 feet of me. I gain advantage on attack rolls against that creature for one minute or until it drops to zero. Now that would be pretty awesome. That's that's exactly how I would want to spend my channel divinities. You just lay into that guy. Yeah. So plus ones all around. That list wasn't long enough. Wait, I forgot my mount for the control category. Let me get off my manatar. This will secure my plus one. Wait till you see what I got here. You're going to love this. That's right, Dan. I am now hovering in a baby Bjorn underneath this pterosaur provided to us by Tavern Tales DM on Twitter. And this thing has got some control of the lab right now because its wingspan alone is brushing up against the walls of our tiny little space. Give me that plus one. Jeez, get that thing out of here. Let me just slide out of this baby Bjorn and I am going to go grab my next mount. This is exciting. We're having fun here, right? This isn't crowded at all. No, no. This is like a nightmare version of Noah's Ark. Did you say nightmare? Because look what I'm riding now. The manatar just touched my butt. That's right. The Smiling DM on Twitter has suggested I ride an eldritch horror into the lab now. This is one of the nightmares of H.P. Lovecraft himself, and this thing is all tentacles, eyeballs, slimy skin, and psychosis. It sounds like a jacuzzi. And you know what? It's really hard to kill, much like Shump, because he's got an AC of 21. He's got 121 hit points. And he's got Relentless Endurance as being a half-orc. I'm arguing a plus one. You're going to roll for that plus one. An AC of 21. Good gravy. Yeah, I took the defense fighting style, and I've got good armor and a shield. That is a 13 plus three, which is going to secure me the plus one. Well played, sir. Now, get that uh, get that thing away from me. No can do. He's taking up a lot of space. Well, I'm arguing a zero here. I have an AC of 18 and 110 hit points. And also I have something called Lesser Invulnerability, which is a fourth level abjuration spell out of this supplement. And it allows you to enchant yourself or an ally with moderate invulnerability. And for the duration, which is one minute, all magic damage is halved. I like that spell because I feel like we don't get enough about reducing magic damage. You know, there's a lot of things that reduce elemental damage specifically, but not just magic damage in general. So that's fun. And I think it's so worthy of a zero, don't you? Tell me that AC again. 18. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you can have a zero. I'm going to move into Ally Assist and talk directly to our listeners, because this week, we want to meet you. Well, to be clear, in a very specific circumstance, we'll have the chance to meet you, as Garen and I will be attending Origins Convention this June in Columbus, Ohio, and this will be our first convention, and we are very, very excited. We're talking about it months ahead of time. 
So if you are planning to come, please drop us a line and let us know. Meeting lab rats in real life would bring so much joy to us, and we'd love to geek out with you about your character creations and your friends' character creations, character creations in general at the table. We, we love it. Looking forward to seeing you all in June in Columbus. I have a few things here for Sprout in Ally Assist, a few things that amount to a plus two. Got Mask Your Wounds, Shield of Faith, Lesser Restoration, Greater Restoration, Beacon of Hope, which we've never touched on before, but it actually allows you to give as many creatures as desired advantage on wisdom and death saving throws. The targets also regain the maximum number of hit points possible when they are healed. Ooh. I also have Life Transference, Aid, Freedom of Movement, Raise Dead. As a Ganassi, I get Pass Without a Trace once per long rest. And then, of course, Divine Strike. I also have something called Death Ward, which is a fourth level spell. Allows you to touch a creature and grant it a measure of protection from death. First time the target would drop to zero points as a result of taking damage, the target instead drops to one point and the spell ends. If the spell is still in effect when the target is subjected to an effect that would kill it instantaneously without dealing damage, the effect is instead negated against the target and the spell ends. Very cool spell and we've never touched on it on this show. I also have Revitalizing Burst, which I've touched on this ability once before, but it also allows you after you've successfully hit an enemy, your allies within a 30 foot radius are granted your cleric level plus wisdom modifier and hit points which you know nice little bonus and then of course i have one more thing called assault healer beginning at the sixth level when taking the attack action you may cast cure wounds as a bonus action you may use this feature between long rest a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier so this is a nice little ditty because it allows you to do two things at once and really keep your focus on buffing your allies and uh yep you are dilated nicely what? Your pupils. Uh, rather dilated after that list. Uh, about to put you in your grave with that one, huh? <laughs> that is a beefy ally assist list, and I do like those features that provide this combat-focused healer in such a fun way. So I, this is a plus two, I assume, for you, right? Yes. N okay, well, if you roll for it. Not a very charismatic cleric. I have a no charisma modifier, which means that I'll need to roll a 17 or better to get this plus two. And I rolled an 11, so no way. All right, just writing a one right there. Not very helpful to your friend there, Garen. What do you have? Well, uh, hold on. You know what I do have? Let me dismount my Eldritch Horror. And I got another very special treat for you in my stable. The Eldritch Horror just touched my butt. And Dan, I am now riding a giant sentient lemon, which I have obviously named Don Lemon. This is given to me by the Ordinary DM on Twitter, and Don is not used to being ridden as a mount, so he's a little roly-poly. I'm going to try and use my core to stay tight on the back of this thing. And I have 55 hit points with my lay on hands, and I have a feat, which I took from Feats of the Forgotten Realms by our buddy Brian Holmes. This is the Shared Success Feat. This is uh, specific to people from Damara, where my character is now from. So when I take the help action to aid an ally with an ability check, they may add my proficiency bonus to the roll if I am also proficient with that ability check. If I take the help action to distract a foe, the target has disadvantage on attacks other than me until the end of its next turn. And the next ally that successfully strikes the target before the end of my next turn deals extra damage equal to my charisma modifier. So these are a couple of features that are really subtle and almost kind of passive, but I love his way of beefing up help actions. So I am arguing a plus one. I have got pretty considerable healing and that help action can come in seriously handy. Yeah. And you know, giving some flavor to the help action 
kind of like what Darren did with the reaction in last week's episode. I will go ahead and grant you that plus one. Absolutely fun little ability there. Sweet. Well, let me just pop off Don and roll him over into the other corner. And I have got something from Jason Street, one of our Twitter friends and patrons. And that is, here we go. Yes. You are witnessing this with your eyeballs correctly, Dan. This is a manticore. But instead of being made as like uh, a dragon and a lion and a man, this is, of course, a ferret, a pig, and a chicken all mashed together. And I am astride its back. And it is uh, take, really smelly. Take that thing out of its misery, please, Garen. I will cut its throat as soon as we're done with the ability <laughs> score balance category. Jeez. I have a 16 to strength, 10 to dex, 12 to constitution, 9 to intelligence, 14 to wisdom, and 16 to charisma. As mentioned before, I got that 21 AC, 121 hit points. Uh, so I built this guy, of course, with the nine to intelligence. He is part of a warring tribal band. You know, there's not a lot of book smarts there, but his wisdom, his charisma is great. He's very combat focused with a decent con and a great strength. So I am arguing that this is a plus one. Oh, hands down plus one. This is extremely optimized. I'm, I'm very honest with the intelligence uh, knocking you down there a point. Very nice. Uh, would you please hand me that obsidian dagger that is behind you on the table? Do you want me to just do it? You're really bad at this. No, 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 Dan. I got this. I am his master, and I should be the one to handle this. Let me just, you know, you just got to so. get right into the... Oh, okay. And the, all right. Oh, oh, that's a lot of blood. All right. And it's dead. Okay. Uh, I have a uh, strength of 14, dex of 12, con of 15, intelligence of 10, Wisdom of 18 and Charisma of 11. Proficiency in Insight, Medicine, Perception, and Sleight of Hand. All things that help me deliver babies. I'm arguing a plus two. Very optimized. That's all really, that's really great for babies. Yeah. That's well, a solid balance. I, I really like that build there. And I like well, your justification. Darren, you, you know, you can push for all you want. You know, I, I, I actually suggest you do for that plus one. But, you know, I don't think there's any debating that this is a really balanced cleric. You can push all you want. Well, I mean... I don't need to push. I mean, I, I think that you've no, got to... By all means. I mean, if you feel the urge to push, then you need to push. Okay. I mean, that's really kind of you. But at this moment, I don't think I... All right. I mean, I'll, I'll push you a little bit. I mean, how about... A, I think maybe... Maybe no, I, not I think, the best you know, balance. Plus, plus two. Plus two. It's fine. All right. All right. Fine. Move, that was... Moving into Smooth Operator. This week's has been provided by Ben Potts. And it reads... Hey, listen, everybody's been there. Everybody understands. You're standing before your party, desperately trying to convince them to smash that necro crystal before it's too late and the world is destroyed. Also, a changeling with your same skill set, disguised as you, is a few feet away, pleading with the party to insert the necro crystal into the skull of the arch lich, supposedly sealing him away forever. For all the time the group has spent with you, they're failing their insight checks, and they can't tell the difference between you and the doppelganger. Apart from being insulted by how very bad friends your party are, how do you expose this imposter and save the world from the return of Timothy the Archlich? Which, Ben, I really do like the name Timothy being the name of the Archlich. It's not very, uh, not very intimidating, but... I'm arguing a plus one here. I have a background feature called Trusted by Parents, which does exactly what you would think it Oh, does. you need a babysitter? Oh, let me recommend Sprout. You're trusted by parents. <laughs> so I would turn to the barbarian with the dad bod in our party and say, hey, listen. Nice. Sprout. I know you're not the most perceptive of the bunch, but feel these leaves on my back. Run those through your fingers. <laughs> now go feel his. 
You notice that Joanne Fabrics kind of feel on those leaves? <laughs> He's the imposter. I then cast Beacon of Hope to give him advantage on wisdom saves if he were still skeptical and possibly to protect him from what may come and tell him to go smash that necro crystal in his big burly hands and end this nightmare. I would then cast Mending on myself and mend my broken heart after their distrust for me was exposed. Oh. Plus one. That was sweet. That was sweet. Really nice justification. Uh, I, I have no problem with the plus one. You definitely could have got a plus two out of me, but we're already locked in. So, well, my mount's dead. I gotta go get a new one. Uh, so, Dan, I know the look of this guy is a bit off-putting, so let me tell you what we're working with here. At T16169011 suggested that I ride a morosely depressed but fierce Pandebra, which is, of course, a panda and zebra mix, and I choose the halves. So, of course, I've chosen a zebra on the outside, panda on the inside, but like physically a panda on the inside. So all the guts and the bones and the fat tissue is all inside this zebra body that's just barely containing it. Well, that was nice of that Russian troll bot to make that suggestion for you. <laughs> so let me just squeeze this guy next to the table here because, you know, as I thought about this one, doppelgangers can read thoughts. It's part of their natural monster traits. So what I would do is I would start thinking about desperate examples to prove myself to my party, and I would think these really hard to the point where the doppelganger would start stealing them from me, and he'd be using those examples before I could. Once I know he's in my head and he's thinking my thoughts, then I start looking at him, and I start thinking about how great it would be to spoon myself because we would fit perfectly being the same size and all, and how like my arm could go under his arm, and we would just be like two Legos as we just snapped together right there on the bed. And I think with enough spooning thoughts, he'd weird out and he would decide the Necro Crystal wasn't worth it. What are you arguing here? A plus one. I'm going to penalize you one point for two reasons. One, your character's not smart enough to conjure up that plan. Number two, <laughs> doesn't matter what plan you devise, spooning is never comfortable. You got a really strong point there. If anyone listening argues that spooning is comfortable, email us and we will ignore it. Well, first get the hair out of your mouth and then type on your... <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with your other arm that is asleep underneath your body. So tell us how you would handle this aggressively. I got one more mount. One more mount before I do that. Can we kill uh, some of these other ones? I've already done the one. Hold on, hold on. So um, our friend Phil on Twitter suggested that I ride a cat, but not like a cool cat, like a tiger, uh, but like one of those wrinkly little hairless cats. So that's what I'm sitting on right now, and I think I've effectively killed it already just by mounting it. Here is my spitting fire. I have an aura as being a Oath of the Sky Warrior. It's called the Aura of Truth. And if you're standing within 10 feet of me, you are under the effects of Zone of Truth. So all I do is stand next to that doppelganger, and he's got to tell everybody that he's a fake. Plus two. <laughs> well done. Simple, wonderful. Plus two. Absolutely. And how much would you abuse that feature if you had that on your character? Yeah, oh yeah. I'd be, I'd be you just the always be standing next to people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I too am arguing a plus two. I would cast Planar Ally, which allows me to conjure up my deity, Freya. Appearing, appearing out of seemingly nowhere, let me illustrate this for you, is a beautiful woman with blonde flowing hair so bright that it could cast out the darkness in the Underdark without question on a large chariot being pulled by Vigul and Tregul, a giant boar-like and tiger-like being, respectively. 
If the glowing light did not cast away the evil of the lich immediately, I would then ask Freya to attack the changeling as well as the lich. She would make ridiculously short work of these foes, and I would present the now converted form of the changeling's head on a totem to the party as a parting gift for not believing me without having to expend a six-level spell slot. Jeez. (laughs) And then I'd leave the party. P.S. Freya, she's a challenge rating 30. Stat block is in the supplement, and it's awesome. You could just bring her. That is wild. I mean, that's obviously a plus two. So Planar Ally does read that you do need to kind of exchange payment. But I'm a level 11 cleric at this point, you know, carrying out much of her will because she is also the maternal goddess. You know, I've been carrying out a lot of the legwork of, you know, what she represents. So I believe she would do this for me, you know, get rid of two little measly little foes. All right. Nope. I'm with you on that. That's fine. That's a plus two. Great. Then moving into X-Factor, 100% I would play this character. It's a quintessential super buff cleric that is proficient in medicine, and I love it. I also love a lot of the uh, attack plus heal features that this has, like where you hit somebody with an attack, and then 30-foot radius people get healed, or using cure wounds as a bonus action. I just love that flavor. I haven't seen anything else like that. And I also greatly enjoy the Earth Ganassi, because I haven't played too much with that Ganassi race too much, but after reading about it some, I like the uh, roleplay opportunities that it has in store, so... Uh, I might explore that a bit more. I also greatly enjoyed the deity, Freya. She's kind of an all-loving deity, but with a killer edge, and I really dig it. What about you, Garen? Right on, man. I liked your battle healer. That was a lot of fun. I would definitely play that cleric, too. I was set on playing an Anansi Paladin, because they get spider climb at level seven instead of an aura they can just walk anywhere which is awesome so i was like this is the one and i kept growing through the book and i got to this one and i was like this is so beautiful i love the mounted i love the whole kind of lightning vibe you're getting from this character i love the aura of truth as i said before i would abuse the heck out of that and then i got to the end of the book and i saw that there was a lady of the lake like king arthur inspired one so that one almost drew me back there's just so much good stuff in this book but i would absolutely play my guy and i chose half orc because i just thought this really fit the kind of sturdy soldier character that i wanted to have so this is up there on my paladin list and as proud as i am of shump he falls short to Sprout in a 7-6 to six battle, and uh, so congratulations, Dan. Ooh. Yeah, just a couple of other notes on this supplement before we wrap up for this week. There are a number of deities in here, and you know, for those of you who are expecting me to make a dark character as per the norm, do not fear. There are plenty of dark deities to choose from in here, and I was tempted by more than just one of them, so be sure to check this supplement out. It is called Gods and Goddesses from Jetpack 7. And you DM listeners may also like to know that Jetpack 7 has published Masters and Minions. We also have gotten our hands on this supplement, and it's written in part by Dan Dillon of Cobalt Press. He's known mostly for his Deep Magic series with a foreword by Matt Colville. This book fleshes out a bunch of bosses and their minions in clear ways to cut down on the prep while providing rich adventure meat for your party to chew on and potentially get murdered by. And soon, they're going to be releasing a book called Legendary Dragons. Now, this book not only adds new dragons, but all other draconic breeds, and expands on the world of dragons with riders and hunters. So freaking cool. Uh, New spell components that you harvest from dragons, and then enhanced spells that you have casted previously. So you're actually unlocking enhanced abilities for spells that you know. That book ships in July. It sounds absolutely amazing. Big high five to the team over at Jetpack 7. 
Hey, man, what was all that towel and breathing stuff that you had me doing during the episode? No, no. I mean, that's just, you know, I just wanted you to get in the groove of, like, the Earth Ganassi, you know. Uh, Didn't want you to get too oh, dirty. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You know what? Hold that thought. I think I got to poop. Uh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Don't. No, here. Sit down on this towel and and now say no, with I'm me. Not, hoo, hoo, I'm not going to poop on a towel. On the way. Oh, it's coming oh, out. Oh, oh, it's here. Oh. Oh, Sam Papa. Okay. I, I think, I think you, I think you did it. Did I just give birth on the lab floor? Yeah. What is that? It, it's a boy. A demon boy? It, it, well, it looks to be the spawn of Chernobog, the god of darkness, night, and the ruler of the underworld. Well, Garen, it looks like you'll be having your fair share of dark characters to come. What a joyous day! Ugh. I just wanted to touch on this specific supplement one more time. Before we wrap up, we have the limited edition version of this Gods and Goddesses book. They have a number of books in a limited edition, and it comes in a nice holographic style foil cover. But the paper stock within the book is of such high quality, it is worth the extra money to get the limited edition. This book I can see lasting millennia when cared for properly. It's just a very high quality book. And you too will be able to splurge a bit on the limited edition version of this book because I've got a promo code for you to use in their shop to get 5% off of all of their products. Enter Character Lab, that's character hyphen lab, at checkout, and that will score you the discount on any of their beautiful books. So, yeah, guys, all of these are available in hardcover. There are also PDF copies available, so head over to jetpack7.com. And next week, well, we don't really have any content to tease out to you because we are going to be recording from downtown as we create characters inspired by our all-time favorite arcade game, NBA Jam. This one is going to be a hot, wild mess. Yeah, absolutely. Be sure to tune in to that one. It's going to be a bit different, and if you want to hear it, tune in next week. But for now, just remember, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, and all episodes for that matter. Yeah, but if you left this episode just wanting more, you can join us on Patreon for tons of bonus content. At our lowest tier, you can join our Discord and participate in fan battles and have access to all PDF content that we post. You can even chat with us throughout the day. For just a little bit more, you get two bonus episodes a month and access to the entire backlog of fight clubs, monster labs, and special interviews that we've been pumping out since March of 2018. Patrons in the next tier get early access to our regular show, sometimes as much as nine days prior to release date. They also get PDFs of the character sheets for the characters that we've built in the 2019 episodes and beyond, and they can submit a smooth operator or spitting fire charisma scenario that we will use in each and every episode. And our top, top tier patrons get merch a couple times a year, have a chance to submit characters, and can sway the fates with automatic crits and fails on our charisma rolls during the show. At any level, we hope to bring you more fun. We love working on this show and the support of our patrons helps continue to make it better. If you're digging the new audio production that began in 2019, just know that it wouldn't be possible without those that already donate. And we have more plans to beef up the lab and we need your help to do it. But however you support us, we thank you. We hope to have you back next week. Head over to our Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab for some previews of what to expect and lots of links to other great community content. Until Wednesday, peace, love, and point by. <laughs>